the Westlot Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspel. Uh, we enter into uh, the Northwestern part of the schedule as we turn the calendar to November. Uh, we will look at the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, Kirk Ferentz going into his 23rd season. Um, you know, still have no idea how much his buyout is. Uh, that's always a too much. subject it's of still discussion. Still too much. Yeah, it's still too much. Still too much. Um, but Iowa, I mean, we, we know what Iowa is. Like, they've been the exact same team for the past 23 years. Um, John, def- defensively last year, they were solid. I mean, that, that, was, that was a good defense last year. Uh, oh, yeah. Everyone knows exactly who Iowa is, and everyone chooses to ignore exactly who Northwestern is. And yeah. that's where I'm about to go here. Um, because it's really hard to preview the Iowa defense without getting really annoyed, and here's why. Last year, Northwestern's defense was awesome, and Iowa's defense was awesome. Best two defenses in the conference. Number one and number two in scoring defense. Number two and number four in total defense. Both units, just like Sam said with Iowa, based on long-standing bedrocks of just like, you know what they are, quality defensive program culture. And if you look at the narratives that seem to be emerging so far, they seem to say that Iowa will just keep steaming right on ahead while Northwestern is going to have to find replacements in a bunch of key areas. And this is the dumbest effing concept possible. Everywhere Northwestern has to plug holes, Iowa has to plug more holes, especially in the places that matter most. So how many times have you heard about how Northwestern has to replace Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher? A flipping ton, right? And how many times have you heard say that Iowa basically turns over its entire defensive line? How many times have you heard about how Iowa loses its top linebacker in a core that definitely does not have a Chris Bergen coming back? How many times has corner Matt Hankins been touted while everyone talking about how Northwestern is in a dire need of a replacement for Greg Newsom overlooks AJ, Cam, and Rod? Look, I know. Some of this is magnified because we are massive Northwestern fans. But look at the preseason rankings, folks. The disrespect is real, and it is spectacular. So anyway, as I said, Iowa's whole D-line is basically getting turned over by eligibility and the NFL. Chauncey Golston and Davion Nixon are gone. Those are titanic losses. Nixon is firmly in the best player Northwestern saw in 2020 on the defensive side of the ball conversation. These guys were absolutely the engine who drove a fantastic Iowa run defense last year. The only guy on the line who the NCAA and the NFL didn't turn over is Zach Van Valkenburg because, wait for it, turning over Zach Van Valkenburg is Peter Skaronsky's job. (laughs) Seriously, um, Van Valkenburg was absolutely one of Iowa's best players last year on defense, and... When Man Bear Pete gets drafted in the first round, they are absolutely going to show the 2020 clip of him ragdolling Van Valkenburg into the turf. But here's the thing. 
the point is not that Iowa's going to have a bad defensive line this year because they're not. They're Iowa. They reload quite well. Noah Shannon is big and strong and experienced in the Iowa system, and he is no doubt going to be a capable defensive tackle. Yaya Black is a classic Iowa developmental case who has already put on a ton of weight since he got to Iowa City, and he's still extremely young, and he's probably going to develop into a really strong end over the next few years. And Van Valkenburg is a legitimately great player, regardless of what Man Bear Pete did to him. Um, it's just that it seems to be assumed that this is enough for Iowa to completely pump the shotgun on the line. While Northwestern trotting out Sam Dup, Tommy, Joe, Trevor, and whoever else is somehow not enough. Um, this is the kind of thing that just makes us all pull our hair out, but I digress. Iowa also loses its best linebacker, Nick Neiman. The thing here, though, and if you've been listening to our previews for the last couple of years, you know this, is that Iowa has not had particularly good linebackers for a while now. Seth Benson is probably the best guy coming back, and he only contributed 43 tackles and one and a half tackles for loss last year. This has solidly been the weak spot in the D for years, so losing Neiman certainly doesn't help. But Iowa has done a really good job of papering over this position group with a great line and great secondary play. And speaking of the secondary, this secondary is looking excellent in 2021. Jack Kerner is an awesome safety who single-handedly helps the linebackers a ton, especially when there's a good D-line in front of him that allows him to go hunting. And he also picked off three balls last year. Matt Hankins and Riley Moss are very solid cover corners who played a big role in Iowa having the number five pass defense in the conference last year, even though no player had more than five and a half sacks, and only Nixon, Golston, and Van Valkenburg had more than one sack. But ultimately, this is just looking like a very good defense. Not 2020 great, but potentially close to it. Iowa will no doubt have depth on the defensive line, if not the same level of talent. And Van Valkenburg could definitely make a senior leap and really take it to the next level. The secondary should be one of the very best in the Big Ten. Iowa is just going to be a tough team to throw on. So our quarterback, probably Ryan Holinsky, will have time in the pocket. But it's going to be that classic Iowa tight collapsing pocket. Um, this game is probably going to be about hard yards on the ground and trench cat pride. And if you've watched the Northwestern Iowa games of years past, like that should be expected. Um, so if Pete treats Van Valkenburg like he did last year and the rest of our line follows suit against this new look Iowa defensive line, Northwestern could end up with another statement win here. Um, and just one more time, because I haven't stopped being pissed about it since I started doing this defensive preview. Iowa's going to have a great D in 2021. Now, just upgrade Van Valkenburg to Sand Up, upgrade Seth Benson to Chris Bergen, and upgrade Jack Kerner to Brandon Joseph. See how that works? So let's just say that there's no doubt Iowa is going to be a part of a great group of Big Ten West defenses in 2021. Hey, anybody listening, if you're able to uh, hook up john in some way shape or form with josh prebe in the days leading up to the iowa game like that would be awesome 
<laughs> oh, I, Josh Preeb, what, what do you think? If if you think that Josh Preeb just isn't sitting watching that Man Bear Pete clip from of Van Valkenburg from last year. Salivating. Week, that's that's all the Iowa defense. That's all, that's all the Northwestern O-line is going to be doing in that week leading up. They're just going to have that on loop every day, all day. Uh, because offensively, again, it's Iowa. We figure they're going to run the ball um, and you know have a pretty efficient quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much. Um, you want to shift to the schedule? Great. Then on, onto the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, there's there's a couple interesting wrinkles here, um, and and hopefully a funny quote from from the OC, but. Um, so going into last year, there were lots of key, there were lots of questions about the quarterback, who was going to replace Nate Stanley, uh, and I thought that given the turnover at that position, the relative strength of their running back room and the O line, that their run game looked primed to improve a lot and be a larger component of the offense, and improve it did. They added thirty yards per game on the ground, uh, balanced by an equivalent decrease on the passing side. I might add, uh, their primary backs increased their touchdown rate significantly, and combined with Pretty decent play from Spencer Petras. This offense increased its scoring, though interestingly not its output in yards at all. Um, one major factor here, Iowa settled for far fewer field goals in 2020. Uh, in, in the 2020 season, they had half as many field goals as touchdowns, whereas in 2019 it was almost one for one. And a lot of that comes down to the offensive line. They improved measurably in almost every advanced stat, especially in the power stats. Like there were a lot of times I, I, I'm in, I'm, I'm assuming here, but I think there were a lot of times in 2019 where it was like fourth and one, fourth and two. And Iowa settled for a field goal that in 2020, they were able to blow off, blow teams other off the ball. Whew. You're going to have to, you're going to have to cut that out, Sammy. Yep. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of times in 2020 when they were able to, to blow the other team off the ball and, uh, and, and pick up those short yard situations. Um, now, they had a ton of returning experience uh, on O-line. They had Tyler Lindenbaum uh, at center, maybe the best center in, in college football, or in the conference, I should say. Uh, they also had now Los Angeles Ram Alaric uh, Jackson at left tackle. And they had you know much improved guard play from what was a, a pretty rough situation in 2019. All this allowed Petrus to be a pretty good quarterback. Um, he had like a two to one TD to pick ratio, uh, which was about on par with what Stanley did the year before his accuracy. wasn't as great. It was only 57%, but he was pretty smart with the football for a first time starter. Uh, at least when he wasn't playing Northwestern and he had really good pot- pocket awareness. Uh, the sack rate dec- decreased quite a bit in, in 2020. Now, rating Petrus as quote slightly more mobile than Nate Stanley isn't really saying much um but it's clear that between whatever mobility he possessed and and the improved o-line play uh they were able to get much better in that department uh the running game was strong last year as well Makai Sargent and Tyler Goodson both had good years they improved on their 2019 numbers uh the spot that suffered however and this was kind of a surprise for me was explosiveness in the passing game so if you remember 2019, they had lost um, their two all-everything tight ends, like two tight ends drafted in the first round in Noah Fant and uh, I'm forgetting the other guy who went to Detroit. Um, Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Thank you, TJ Hawkinson. So coming into 2019, I was like, dude, like I was not going to be able to, to, to block or be nearly as interesting in multiple in offense because they've lost these two all-world tight ends. And like, yes, that totally came true. But uh, at the same time, uh, Amir Smith-Marset, an absolute burner at wide receiver 
brought another dynamic to their offense and really kind of emerged that late that year. And I thought he could be an even bigger threat for them this past season. I thought they would leverage him in a lot of uh, running sets. He's, he's, you know, their primary kick returner uh, has a ton of touchdowns in, in punt and, t- and, and uh, kickoff returns. Like the guy, the guy's awesome. And he just didn't produce last year. And I think a lot of it is because Petrus just wasn't comfortable throwing downfield. It was a lot of short passes. Marset's um, average decreased. He was the leading receiver, but his average per, per catch decreased by three yards. Petrus posted a pedestrian 6.4 yards per attempt, a full yard shorter than Stanley in his senior season. That's not good. Now, the running game, like I mentioned, was a lot better in short yardage. Uh, Iowa, as a result, was, was much better in the red zone. They were able to hit that eight-year high in per-game scoring. I'm questioning if that's sustainable. So if we fast-forward to this year, uh, Tyler Goodson is back. Uh, he's going to be a good running back for Iowa. I mean, similar if you've listened to our Minnesota preview, like he's not as good as Mohamed Ibrahim, but in a similar way, like he's really solid and he's going to make this offense go. They always have a bunch of other solid running backs ready to step in. They're going to be fine there. Iowa does lose a lot of offensive line talent. Uh, now it's both tackles plus some depth, so maybe the running game won't be affected as much because you know their interior line is still intact. Uh, their center Lindenbaum uh, returns; he's really, really good. But here's what's really weird: not a single guy on the projected starting line is over 300 pounds. They average close to 290. That's roughly 15 pounds less than the last couple of seasons. That just strikes me as really weird and different really not iowa yeah yeah right. it's really strange so with what looks to be like a less powerful offensive line maybe a less powerful running attack a more seasoned quarterback who the coach who who per the coaches has been uh, more accurate and has been making faster decisions in spring i mean are they going to roll out the same strategy as last year or are they going to look to really adjust and attack more downfield well uh brian france said we should expect quote Lots of short passes to let the receivers do the work, which is exactly what you saw in the spring game. The problem with that, with making that kind of strategic shift is that they really lack the weapons. Um, so Smith-Marset is gone. He got drafted by my Vikings in what should be a steal of a mid-round pick. Uh, they do return uh, Nico Raggiani and Ty- uh, Tyrone Tracy. They've got some promising freshmen who saw a lot of time in the in the spring in Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce. Uh, Charlie Jones is the or Charles Jones is the heir apparent to Smith Marset at kick returner. He could get some run at wide receiver too. But guess what? The departed six foot one Smith Marset is taller than every one of those dudes by at least an inch and more like two or three. Oh my! And, and he was faster than them too. Uh, at tight end, Sam Laporta is back. He was the second leading receiver last year. You might remember him because two balls bounced off his hands and into Northwestern players' hands uh, in the game last year. Um, but he's not a downfield threat like those Iowa tight ends of the past that I mentioned. He averaged 10 yards per catch. He had one TD. Uh, now, they have, a, they have a really promising depth chart at tight end. If a guy like Luke Latchy uh, gets a lot of run on the field, like that could be interesting. That could help them be more dynamic, but... This, frankly, is just a recipe for a less threatening offense in my book. I mean, I mentioned before, I think they overachieved in the scoring department last year, uh, given, you know, all those increased points, but the flat yardage. Uh, A year older Petrus should bring some improvement. You would expect that, especially going from his first year as a starter to his second. But brand new tackles, two brand new tackles, presents all sorts of potential problems. 
and it sounds like Iowa's solution is quick hit throws and wide receiver screens and out passes and let's you know let's throw short and fast but they have zero explosiveness in the wide receiver core to make that strategy actually work for them they're going to be facing third and long and like are those tackles going to be able to hold up to let the wide receivers get downfield how are they going to find space for their short wide receiver routes in their running game if opposing safeties are just living inside of the box now i want to be clear i don't think this is going to be a bad offense I think it's going to be middle of the road, not super exciting, kind of like what you would normally expect from Iowa. Like last year and in 2018, they had they had highs basically, hitting close to, to you know 31, 32 points per game. The other years they're in the mid 20s, and they're going to be back in the mid 20s this year. I think that's really good enough to make them a West contender. I'm not sure it's enough to put them over the top. We'll have to see. So here's their schedule. Uh, they open up at home against Indiana, then uh, travel across the state to Ames to take on the Cyclones uh, in the annual Cyhawk game. Uh, home for Kent State and then Colorado State. Uh, travel to Maryland, home for Penn State and Purdue. They get their uh, bye week uh, on October 23rd. Then they travel to Wisconsin, travel to Northwestern, home for Minnesota and Illinois, and then finish off the season at Nebraska. You know, I I don't hate that we get them the week after at Wisconsin, also on the road. You know, second road game in a row coming off of a Wisconsin game. Yes, please. I don't hate that. I, I mean, that's I, I like that. Our defense might be a little tired from tack- tackling uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, but um, sure. But yeah, no, I like that a lot. Yeah, I so um I'm of. Two minds here, and it's sort of a broken record of what I was saying before. I was a good football team, like good defense, good culture, just like Sam said off the top. Good running back, veteran quarterback. Um, I, you know, I'll I'll say that I, he's right? not a veteran. And, he played one year, right? He played right. He, what he I mean is, he's one, not two, three, four. He played eight games in one year. He's not. He's not brand new. Let's put it this Fair. way. Put a pin in. Put a pin in that for me, though, please. Um, and and then they're they're looking at what has you know, it, it, their their schedule is no peach, right? Their first two games are against the team that played in the Fiesta Bowl and the team that should have played in the Fiesta Bowl. That's their first two games of the season. Um, but let me boil my thought process on, on where I'm going down to this. Uh, you can have Spencer Petrus or you can have Ryan Holinsky. Who do you want? Holinsky, yeah, without a Holinsky. doubt. Every, without without a doubt. Well, because Northwestern's line looks like it's going to be better than Iowa's line, folks. And linebacker looks like it's going to be a push. And our defense should be every bit as good as their defense, which looks to be a good defense. And I bring this up only because most people, like Pro Football Focus, has Iowa with the second highest win expectancy in the Big Ten. Um, and this is the stuff that just drives me nuts. That everyone's like, well, you know, it's Iowa, and look how good they were last year, and look at the pieces that they have coming back, and everyone just wants to be completely glass half empty on Northwestern. I, I want to. Has... I want to build on what you just said. I'm going to take Cam Porter over Tyler Goodson. Yeah, I'm going to. I just. I'm going to suggest that our wide receiver core, if not, I mean, certainly not more proven than Iowa's, but certainly more interesting and diverse. In terms Certainly of taller. the types of players, that the height, the mid, like we can create matchups in our off in our wide receiver core. They are not able to do that. Like fundamentally, they're not able to do that. The guys are all short and small. Right. Well, and nor and Iowa lost offensive lineman. Northwestern lost offensive lineman. 
but Northwestern's offensive linemen that it lost off the line that played last year were not high NFL draft picks. Yep. That's what Iowa has to replace. We return guys who will be NFL draft picks. Well, this is no. To be fair, their only their only loss um, was uh, he wasn't drafted. He was a, he was a free agent. But but your your point stands. Like they lost more talent on the O line than we lost last year um, because Rashawn Slater didn't play. He opted out. And again, like I I add all this up, and I'm like, I was a good football team. They are a good football team. One of the favorites in the West, no doubt. This is a team that is looking at a first seven games that includes Indiana, Iowa State, and Penn State and being like, we could run this slate. And if they do, if Iowa heads into their bye week uh, in late October at 7-0, and that's going to be a top 10 team. And they're probably going to be somewhere around like six or seven in the nation. I'm just saying, like, you should hear all this and you should be like feeling better about Northwestern by the minute because this team is like everyone is just conveniently over like Spencer Petrus could not be good <laughs> like that's it's it's certainly on the table like you said they're mapping out all these things that sound like a, a giant lattice work designed to help him get his completion percentage up but I I'm not seeing the weapon I'm not seeing a lot of catch and run here but that's what he just that's what they did be... last year they didn't throw deep last year it was all catch and run yeah. last year and he was 57 percent right Right, that's what I mean. Like the guy, the guy's not exactly uh, hitting the bullseye. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. So I'm just like I there, but but I mean, with that said, like there, they right. I mean, well, I mean, I I want to say that they're still going to have a solid offense, but I mean, like they definitely have questions that need to be answered, and I feel like if you and and again, it's like we don't have a guy who started for. Northwestern last year, but we have a guy who also just like Spencer Petrus has a year of starting under his belt. Um, and, and I think more games than Petrus does. Um, and just that, that, I don't know. It's just that thing. It's that everyone wants to go glass half empty on Northwestern. Um, and the, the character of the teams is, is so similar and that's not a knock on Iowa. It's just that people are shading Northwestern, and what everyone thinks is true of Iowa, people should be thinking is true of the Cats also. Yeah, it's it, you're spot on there. I think I think the one thing people can still point to, and and hopefully we can diffuse this this season. But you look at Iowa's last five years: six and two, ten and three. I'm going backwards here: nine and four, eight and five, eight and five. They don't have that whatever it was three and nine or or four. I forget. I forget how bad we were in 2019. I've erased it from my mind. But they, I, it was three and nine, I believe. Yeah, they they don't they don't have that year where the where the bottom fell out. And they've had it in the past. I mean, 23 years is a long time, and Ferenc has certainly had some some total lemons in that this time is, period. This right? is this is where I this is where I cough very loudly and say on the field. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Um, that that's another show. I think. Yes, yes, it is. Um, but I think like, and I'm not justifying because I think we both agree. Like, it's it's stupid that that people are just giving Iowa Iowa of all teams the benefit of the doubt. I mean, Ohio State I get because they recruit like Alabama every year, right? But come on, I like Iowa's been close to a a division championship like once in the last in the existence of, of, or maybe I guess they won it one year, that one year they went undefeated. Um, 
which was really stunning and surprising until they played Michigan State. But Scuzz, what are you talking about? Iowa was the best team in the Big Ten West last year. What are you, <laughs> you must have shut, a short memory. You shut your mouth. Um, I mean, I guess like the upside for them or the high end for them is let's say they go back to 2019, right? I mean, that was a year they had four returning starters on D. It's their lowest points per game output in the last eight years, 14 points per game average. Um, their offense only did 26 per game is, is you know, one of the lower years of the, of the last eight on the offensive side. Like that seems plausible for them. I don't, I don't know that their defense is going to be that otherworldly given, given the, 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 spots they have to produce no, and the drop it's, off at no, linebacker, it's not, but it's not otherworldly. It's just going to be a great defense. Yeah. Like they're like, they will, they're, they're not the cream of the conference, but they are good. Yeah. I mean, it's just so, funny. So like, maybe, so maybe 2017 yeah. is the better comp, right? Like, like 20 points per game on defense and, you know, close to 28 on offense. I mean, that that's plausible. They went eight and five that year. Like that seems of like a very plausible outcome for this Iowa team. I mean, yeah, the, and, the fact and, that the fact that they've got um, Indiana and Penn state both, at Kinnick is is good for them. Yeah, it's nice I mean, for them. Like you know, so but at Wisconsin at Northwestern back to back. And to worth be, worth and, noting, they beat they beat the pants off of Penn State last year. They'd lost the well, previous. So did everyone? Yes, exactly. And they right. lost the previous six, regardless of location. Right, and and to be fair, like we've talked about, there have been some epic matchups in that series. Um, and I think the. I mean, to, to Iowa's credit, I mean, this is a murderer's row. I mean, they're drawing potentially two of the best three teams in the East. And the it, it's rough. And then plus Iowa State, who in addition to being a Fiesta Bowl team last year, always plays Iowa tough. Like that game is always a shootout. But, you know, you we've done we've we've been previewing a bunch of dodgy teams for a bunch of weeks now. And Iowa's a team where it's like, you you sell me a Petrus Leap. I mean, I'm not buying a Petrus leap, but I'm saying if that happens, if if Spencer Petrus makes a leap, I mean, this is one of the first teams we've arrived at where it's like they could win every game on their schedule. God, if he makes like, a leap with these weapons, you should give him the Heisman. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's <laughs> like, what are the odds like, on Petrus to win the Heisman, Sammy? A, I, a Petrus Heisman in a Petrus Heisman scenario, right? Like this is a team that have you, you know have a, you a, talked to your children about a Petrus Heisman? Y- oh, yeah. Good God. Right. The, uh, but you know, it's like, I mean, linebacker core is nothing to write home about. Um, and the, neither are the wide receivers, but there's no massive glaring weakness on this team. Yeah. Fair. As opposed to so many other teams like there. And, and we know that they're Iowa and like Scuzz said, like they, they, this team doesn't turn in stinkers. So like they're, they, it's, it's a good program with a good team. And if they get some sort of leap that none of us see happening, out of Spencer Petrus, um, it's a it's a team that can look and be like every single game on our schedule is winnable. This team doesn't play Ohio State until the championship game, um, and that Wisconsin game and that Northwestern game um, are both going to be knockdown drag out. We know exactly what kind of game those two games are going to be. Um, now they have to go on the road to both of those games, and that's a big deal. Um, but the and, and and you know for us getting Iowa the week after they travel to Camp Randall is a big deal. And uh, that's very helpful for us. Because to answer your question, um, just a quick scan of the Heisman Trophy odds does not have Spencer Petrus on it. And this goes all the way down to uh, uh, plus, you know, 100 to 1 on Zay Flowers at BC. Mo Ibrahim is uh, 50 to 1. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. He's, but again, I'm like, they're, with that said, like, this is all to say, like, Iowa is, is going to be a good team. Like, don't be surprised if they beat Indiana. Don't be surprised if they beat Iowa State. Um, that Penn State game is probably going to be a hell of a game at Kinnick. Like, time TBA, like, that's a night game. Um, and, you know, they've, like, it's a great team. They're looking at a ton of marquee games, too, right? Like, Iowa's got... I'm looking at five big time games on their schedule, including us, and wow. they're they're going to be a really good team. I just don't buy. Well, I mean, you know, some cream has to rise to the top, and again, it's if Petrus comes together for Iowa, it certainly could be Iowa. But again, you love Iowa. I, I got a team to sell you that uh, you should love even more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, close the book on the Hawkeyes for now. Um, obviously, we'll revisit them in November uh, with the big matchup there. But uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Brian Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.